Just run away, Forrest. Run, Forrest! Run away! Hurry! Get the bikes! Hurry up! Let's get it! Whoa! Look out, Johnny! Here we come! I get you! Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. And we're looking at a new year, I believe, 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we've touched 94 yet. We have not. Um, this will probably be the first of many in that year. This particular one was the Oscar darling of the year. And probably one of the most polarizing blockbusters um, that I can think of. Yeah. Forrest Gump. This movie made a shit ton of money. Didn't it? <laughs> a lot of money. So it was a budget of 55 mil and it grossed $677.9 million. Whoa. Massive. That's the biggest we've I think seen so, yeah. On the show. I think so. But having said that, it actually wasn't the number one movie of the year because there was another juggernaut. <laughs> I don't know the words. That's right, isn't it? Do you know the movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, The Lion King. Yeah. $858.6 million. Wow. So everyone went to the movies in 1994. Mate, so much popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Big year for popcorn. Huge. <laughs> Man, it's a good year for movies. Yeah. Anything catch your... Memory feels? Uh, obviously those two. Um, Pulp Fiction, another big one. Yes. Looked like it was a good year. Is it? Is this true? Did, were there three Jim Carrey movies that year? Oh, maybe. The Mask. The Mask, Dumb and Dumb Dumber, and Dumber. Ace Ventura. Is that possible? Yeah. Shit, that was all that year. I thought that was just me catching up. But it, uh, I, that's crazy. It look, uh, from what I saw today, Googling 1994 movies. Yeah, same. I thought I saw all three there. Well, The Mask was number four that year. Dumb and Dumb was number seven. Ace Ventura wasn't in the top ten, but it was that year. Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't it? Similarly, Time Cop and Street Fighter came out that year. <laughs> <Very> <laughs> so similarly. We, we nearly got the trifecta of uh, two of our heroes mm. in one year. But True Lies was also that year. And a bunch mm. of uh, good kids' movies. I don't know if it's because I look at that year and that's when I watch kids' movies, so I notice them as good kids' movies, uh, or if yeah. I look... Because I look at this year and I'm like, oh, they didn't have like there was Ducks Two, like Mighty Ducks Two, Richie Rich, Little Giants with our man Rick Moranis and Little Ed Rascals, oh. and uh, not a bad years for for Aussie cinema as well. Muriel's Wedding and Priscilla. Fuck, were they the same year too? And that again. was a massive deal. Yeah, I remember thinking, like, feeling validated as an Australian that these movies were like big overseas. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. I don't think I watched either of them. I think I watched Muriel's Wedding. I've seen Muriel's Relatively Wedding. That's a great movie. I don't, I don't know Priscilla too much. I was scared Same. of drag. I think I've seen bits. What? I was scared of the drag. Oh, I thought you said it was a bit of a drag. Oh, that would have been good. <laughs> uh, but Muriel's Wedding's awesome. It is good. I'm a big Bill Hunter fan. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that Tony before. Tony obviously, as well. She's good. Hollywood. Hollywood. Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Was that that year, too? No, she's in no. it. Oh. <laughs> but, little segue, Haley Joel Osment. This was his debit. It's his debit. Yeah. That's little little fast. Yeah. Fast Forrest Junior, Junior. Fast, fast Gump. Do you, what's your memories of 
Forest, Forest Gump? Uh, I don't remember going to see it at the movies. I probably, I don't think I did. My earliest memory of this film was my mate Liam continuous, continuously doing his lousy Forrest Gump. Because you know how everyone impersonated Forrest Gump? Yeah, it's Gump? like the Borat of... Yeah, yeah totally. Everyone, everyone had one. Yeah. And he had a lousy one. We're going to do some... He did the box of chocolates <laughs> one. And he no. got the inflections all wrong. He <laughs> <laughs> go, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> And it was wrong. <laughs> but he did it ad nauseum. <laughs> I don't remember anything specific. I definitely saw it. I think I might have seen it at the cinema, maybe. Mm. Definitely saw it a bunch of times, probably on video and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it a lot. And similar, I just quoted the shit out of it. I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And since doing this podcast, I've always wondered, this could be one of those ones that's probably shit. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is heavily polarizing still. Yeah. And like more a, now. More now. It's and one of those ones where Critics don't like it. I think it's more that it won Best Picture the same year as Pulp Fiction, Shawshank. So it, I think mm. it's more that it's overrated. It's okay. Oh, this, I mean, I'll spoil it. That's where I'm getting to. I think it's okay. Mm. But I think it's more that it's just so overrated. It's like there's not much there other than member berries mm. for boomers. Yeah, younger people watching it would probably not get a lot of the little cultural nods that the characters weave through. Yeah, yeah, which I definitely got a lot more of now. Yeah, me too. Um, why don't I set the context by by jumping into how this thing fucking came about? So I was not aware that Forrest Gump was a book. Nor was I. In 1986 by a man named Winston Groom. Mm. Slightly different to the picture, to the movie. Yeah. Um, quite a few significant changes. I'll get into some of those a bit later, but probably one of the most obvious when it comes to filming when you're casting, Winston Groom envisaged more of a John Goodman type for the role because part of the character of Forrest Company's book was that he's a big dude. He was 6'6 and 242 pounds by the age of 16. Oh. So it was less about running and all that stuff, and he was he was a wrestler. At one point, he became a professional wrestler. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of these really <laughs> interesting twists that was in the book that not in the, not in the in the movie. Mm. So very interesting. So it was a book. Um, I think it sold around thirty thousand copies. I'm not sure if that's massive in the book world, but once the movie came out, it sold millions. But um, Paramount optioned it for a, a picture. They offered it to uh, a few people before Zemeckis. Uh-huh. Um, Terry Gilliam, which could have been interesting. That's the um, Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Monty Python guy. Oh. Look at the foot drawing guy. Oh, yeah. that He always does quirky shit. Yeah. So he would have been interesting. And Barry Sonnenfeld, but he turned it down and went it did. The Adams Family Values. I liked that movie. Which I think is actually good. Oh, I'm, I'm keen to rewatch both of those Adams Family movies. Yeah. I had different motivations, I think, <clears throat> for liking the second one when I was like, 13 or whatever it was. Summer Camp. I always just thought Summer Camp looked awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a weird thing. We don't have that at all. Nah, really wish we did when I was 13. <laughs> all right, so eventually Zemeckis gets hired. He'd just done Death Becomes Her. Robert Zemeckis is obviously a bit of a staple. We're going to be doing a bunch of his movies throughout this podcast, I would say, because he is Back to the Future guy. Yes. All three of them, Back mm-hmm. to the Future guy. Also, who framed Roger Rabbit guy. Yep. Then later in his career, Castaway guy. Polar Express guy. Polar Express guy. So Thanks for that. You may re- recall in my CGI rant 
back on the Honey, I Shrug the Kids episode, his name got mentioned as one of the perpetrators of the downward spiral into CGI goop mm-hmm. that our cinema screens have been cursed with in recent years. But this he was still in the sweet spot in this era. Yeah. Where it was kind of tastefully done and there's just bits and pieces. There's probably more CGI in this movie than most people realize. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Some of it's a bit outdated. We'll get into it. But most of it's pretty good. Yeah. And it's used. I like the way it's used. Like it, it's subtle. Yeah. Kind of. Tasteful-ish. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <The movie laughs> um, so they got Eric Roth to write. And you know how I know that? Because he also wrote Benjamin Button, which is basically the same movie. <laughs> I remember I watched Benjamin Button at cinemas because I was excited because I was deep in David Fincher world after, you know, Fight Club and being a young man. <clears throat> I was like, yeah, David Fincher, yeah. And I watched Benjamin Button and I was like, that was legit Forrest Gump aging backwards. I've never seen it. No, don't see it. And then so I made an effort to go, okay, who wrote that? And I looked it up and it was the Forrest Gump guy. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, yeah. But he also wrote Munich. He wrote Ali... He's written a bunch of stuff. He was a co-writer on Star, a Star Is Born, the new one. So not not uh, to show no him. He's done a bunch of stuff, yeah. They're he's not all pretty Hollywood. Stuff. Yeah, he's pretty Hollywood. But, man, before we even get to recasties, what about precasties? Precasties are man. strong here. So strong. <laughs> Take it away. For Forrest, mm. Bill Murray. Mm. John, but the real painting, the lead lead was John Travolta. Yeah. I can't even imagine. No, neither. I feel like that, that it would have turned into um, simple, simple Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have worked. Like, so I totally I still, agree. And actually, for the record, I do think this borders on Simple Jack. What yeah. you get now? Yeah, but, but um, I think that's we'll what. That. I mean, Jack. it is. But I always thought, hey, that's obviously such an exaggeration. But I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It had that level of it's. It's quite a. Ho- it's very Hollywood. Yeah, like it feels yeah. super popcorny, but. So the John Travolta thing's interesting because, so he he was apparently pretty bummed about missing it. He talk he calls it a massive mistake missing the role. Yeah, but it would have been a massive mistake taking the role. But, well, not just on that, you know, the role alone and him in it, but also the fact that that must have had conflicting schedule with Pulp Fiction because Pulp Fiction released the same year. So surely he oh, couldn't yeah. have been both. And if he hadn't done Pulp Fiction, like we've talked about. That being no, it's pretty well. Oh yeah, fuck. Marked that's as a good his point, comeback movie, he right? Have, he would be lucky to get offered this role back then. So why would he have turned it down? Maybe before Pulp Fiction, in which case, yeah, no. Nah, I would say you nailed right it. Move, yeah. You nailed it, John. Yeah, because that the world is wrong. Yeah, you, that movie that, should have won Best Picture. It's pretty, pretty impressive for the time. But it's not very really an Academy movie, though, is it? Like it's pretty. Yeah, but Bill Murray also. That's a weird. I Bill guess Bill Murray. It's hard. It's one of those movies where obviously. He's made some very specific character choices in playing Forrest Gump, so it's hard to like imagine anyone else because you're trying to imagine Bill Murray with a haircut or whatever. But it's like, well, if it was Bill Murray, he probably wouldn't have had that haircut, or, nah. you know. So it's <clears throat> he may have come up with a different voice, or you know, Chevy yeah. Chase. Well, I've seen. I mean, Bill the- Murray. I've seen. What's that? What about Bob? Oh yeah, what's that one? It's where he plays a uh, kind of neurotic sort of guy who, and his shrink is Richard Dreyfus. Uh, and he goes to stay with his family at his family's home. It's a comedy. Yeah. And he's like, everyone in the family loves Bob, Bill Murray, except the, the shrink. Right. You never seen that? No. It's pretty funny. But yeah, you'd have to assume it would go a little bit more comedic. I mean, it's a pretty funny movie. And, yeah. And Tom Hanks is, was a, mostly a comedian to this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. He'd done big. He'd done Philadelphia, right? Philadelphia this, was but, his, yeah. 
And I think our movie from the other week might have been his like, so League of Their Own, I think was his like bridge movie. Yeah. Because it's still kind of like a comedy role. Yeah, totally. I think we can all agree Chevy Chase would have been a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Most people say that. Yeah. <laughs> Such a grumpy old asshole. Him and, him and fucking uh, Steven Seagal should go fishing together or something. Yeah. Or just fight each other. Yeah. Sean Penn was in the mix too, apparently. Yeah. So um, he, he, he recouped with I Am Sam. Yeah, but made one mistake. Never go for a retard. You don't buy that? Yeah, Sean Penn, 2001, I Am Sam. Remember? Went full retard. Went home empty-handed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's a good movie, isn't it? I don't know. It's good. Good soundtrack. Good sound. Good. Good um, soundtrack. Ben yeah. Harper's version of Strawberry Fields. I'm going to play that shit at my funeral. Um, I think the fact that we talked about this for a couple of minutes. I think that it stems back to the fact that this is really Hank's really made it his own character. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. synonymous with him, I think. It's yeah, and it's probably the number one thing people think of when they think of him, right? Surely. Definitely in the mix. Have you got the um have you got the ones for Bubba? Oh, I sure do. Fire I him sure off. do. So it obviously went to Michael T. Williamson. Uh, offered to David Allen Greer. That's the guy that was in like in Living Colour and a few things, I Is think. I, didn't, I don't know. You know him when you see him. I didn't recognise the name. Um, Ice Cube. Yeah. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And I've heard mixed reports on this. He turned it down and some places say he regrets that. But I also found him, I couldn't find a clip of it, but I read a quote of him talking about it on Jon Stewart saying how he hates that movie because basically it's racist. <laughs> oh. I heard the guy who did it. He kind of uh, got a little stuck in his career yeah. there because they put it. Well, that's another weird racial thing too is the one black character they have, they gave him bigger lip. Like it, that's a bit of a weird yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they thought he was he actually looked like that and yeah. never got cast in anything <laughs> ever again. All right, there's another couple interesting pre-casties. Demi Moore as Jono. Ah. Nicole Kidman as Jono. Uh. Both turned it down. Gary Sinise, obviously, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> Did you see this one? Who no. could have been Joe Pesci? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that about him in most things. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in anything. Gary Sinise was awesome. He was good. He was good. He was good. Um, but yeah, Joe Pesci would have been great. <laughs> you just picture him being pissed off, being picked up with his. No legs. <laughs> Special shout out to uh young version of Forrest Forrest Gump, Michael Connor Humphreys, who is actually the origin of Forrest Gump's accent. Young Michael Connor Humphreys, who played young Forrest Gump. We were trying to... <laughs> Bob Zemeckis, uh, Bob said, okay, we got a problem here. You're going to have to teach this kid how to talk the way you want to talk. And I thought, why don't... Why don't I just talk the way he talks right now? And so we started hanging out with him. And he was from uh, Mississippi. And he had, this, he had this hard G at the end of his, if he said it wasn't thinking, it was thinking. And says, what does, uh, what does your, your father do? My, 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 my daddy makes grease. That's what he said. <laughs> and he said, he make, he, I don't understand. Is grease something you make? Yes. <laughs> he says, what do you do with grease? Well, grease goes into all different sorts of products. 
And I said, well, like, what products? Oh, grease goes into lipsticks. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not, this is it. This is it. So that's pretty cool. I like that. It makes sense. It's easier for him. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Funnily enough, when I watched it, I thought, this kid's doing that accent so badly. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I thought the opposite. I mean, you were closer to the truth. Should we get into the movie? I might play the trailer. Play the trailer. Hello, my name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Would you like a chocolate? Oh, thank you. It's funny what a young man recollects. You're the same as everybody else. You are no different. Your boy's different. Are you stupid or something? I'm as stupid as a stupid does. I'm Jenny. I'm Forrest, Forrest Gump. She was my most special friend. My only friend. We was together all the time. We were like peas and carrots, Jenny and I. Run, Forrest! Hey, stupid! Run! You wouldn't believe it if I told you, but I can run like the wind blows. Who in the hell is that? And there's Forrest Gump, coach. Just a local idiot. I never thought it would take me anywhere. David put me on a thing called the All-America Team. Well, you get to meet the President of the United States. Congratulations. How does it feel to be an All-American? I gotta pay. <laughs> I believe he said he had to go pee. Now, maybe it's just me, but college was very confusing times. Have you ever been with a girl, Forrest? sit next to them in my home economics class all the time. Have you given any thought to your future? Go! What's your sole purpose in this army? To do whatever you tell me, drill sergeant. You're a damn genius. You are going to be a general someday, go. Yes, drill sergeant! They sent me to Vietnam. Listen, you promised me something, okay? If you're ever in trouble, don't try to be brave. You just run, okay? Okay. Where are you boys from in the world? Alabama, sir. You twins? No, we are not relations. So. For some reason, what I was doing seemed to make sense to people. Forget about me! Get yourself out! I've been awarded the Medal of Honor. How come? Now, my mama's always telling me how miracles happen every day. <laughs> some people don't think so. Jenny! But they do. You can come home with me at my house in Greenbow. I'll take care of you. Why are you so good to me? You're my girl. Paramount Pictures presents Tom Hanks. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Robin Wright. Will you marry me? I'd make a good husband, Jenny. You would, Forrest. But you won't marry me. Gary Sinise. I never thanked you for saving my life. And Sally Field. My boy Forrest is going to get the same opportunities as everyone else. A film by Robert Zemeckis. What's my destiny, Mom? You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. All right, so how was the rewatch for you, Gregory? Uh, it was broadly good, I think. Yeah. Maybe I went through a period of not liking that movie. I was like, oh, Forrest Gump, nah, done with that. Mm. Um, but I think I just sat through it, not expecting anything of it, and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I think listening to you a second ago when you were saying, you know, it was so overrated, that's probably true. And so yeah. maybe that, pl- 
I had that in my head. So yeah, watching it with with low expectations, I mm. just kind of enjoyed the story. Yeah. So I thought I was going to hate it, and I enjoyed watching it, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go out and get into an argument over people saying they didn't like Forrest Gump. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I like it in one sense because I enjoyed watching it. Part of that was probably nostalgia, but it also a lot of it just feels like cheap tricks. It's like mm-hmm. it's just, like I said, member berries and with little substance behind it. The Six Academy piece is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Like if this was just a weird indie film – not even indie film, but just a film that existed and you discover it and you watch it and you play, oh, that was that was like kind of a weird, interesting yeah. thing. But as the best picture of 1994, nah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially yeah. the year, given the year. And I was thinking, because one, one of the articles I read about this a while back, I couldn't find it, I was looking for it, but saying how it was just nostalgia for boomers at the time. Yeah, right. Which I think is probably true. And, you know, we say member berries a lot here and this is a podcast where we look at movies from our childhood so I can't rip on nostalgia. But if it's only nostalgia, which it kind of feels like this is, it feels a bit shallow. It's done like, in its defence, it does have a pretty significant place. Like there's a lot, when you say nostalgia, there's it, did, it spilled pretty well into pop culture with, you know, you called it the Borat. You know, oh yeah, it's had a, It's definitely. But I mean, the Kardashians. The Kardashians spill into pop culture. <laughs> so I think that's it's definitely that's all true. But just so you mean as purely a movie, from a as a movie, point of view. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it definitely, like I quoted it forever, and I probably will continue to quote it. And I was thinking, I have a similar issue. This might. This is probably more controversial. I have a similar issue with um, Stranger Things. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, there's no idea in the show other than nostalgia, which I feel like this is as well. It's like, remember those movies from the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> but there's no like, yeah. you take away, it's just an aesthetic on that in that example. And it's probably the same time difference too. So 94 to the 60s, 70s is a bit like, you know, nearly 2020 looking back at the 80s, 90s. It's a very similar thing. So to draw parallels, I guess it's a very similar phenomena. And, and there's not much there. Yeah, that's true. Like if Stranger Things was set in 2018, it would be boring as fuck. Probably still watch it. <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing that I was saying as an adult, knowing more about the 60s now and going through my Beatles phase and all that kind of stuff, like there was more to it that I guess I understood this time, whereas before it was just kind of random funny. But it is still kind of random. It just happens to be random, but you know what it is. I know the references now. Yeah. And there's just so much just randomness. Like some of it's fun, some of it's cute, and then some of it's just like, you know, um, oh, you just ran into shit. Well, it happens. What? Shit? Sometimes. And he made a bumper sticker saying shit happens. It's like, okay. Yeah. Some of those were just too... The shirt was even worse. They have a nice day shirt. That's, so that's the other one I was going to say. That's when shirt. I really just cringed. I was like, okay, nah, man. If he wiped mud on his shirt, he'd look like Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been better. <laughs> a little, that would a little have been Easter better. egg. And so, ah, so <laughs> Easter eggs is actually, it's almost like Easter eggs in prequels, except it's a prequel to culture. So it's like, that's how that happened. So, you know, mm. you watch the Han Solo movie and you go, that's how he got the Millennium Falcon. And it's like, this is, oh, that's how Elvis learned to dance like that. It's like that same 
Easter egg dopamine yeah. release, yeah. you know, that people get hooked on. Genius! And it's it's not. It's yeah, just The man. cool thing about that scene is that uncredited Kurt Russell yes! did the voiceover for so the young good. Elvis. So specific. <laughs> well, he'd played Elvis, I think. In something, didn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't playing Elvis in that, just the voice. I think he just did the voice, yeah. It's so funny how... Do you reckon he was just out with one of them? And they must be, hey. <laughs> yeah, and I just felt, I mean, I shed a tear. I did, I'm not going to lie. Which bit? Um, I think towards the end. Hmm. Maybe something earlier. Oh, I think with Jono and they're in the fields, like, and she's like, I wish I was birds, I could fly far, far away from here. Yeah. That was uh, pretty hard, hard going. But it felt, heavy. it felt manipulative. Like it's just really going for that. Like, Or it's just setting up the flawed character. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other, which I haven't been able to reconcile my thoughts on, Yeah, to be honest. Should we go into that? Because that's a, is Jenny an asshole? Yeah. So the background being there's a lot of Jenny hate in the world yeah. today. Like I feel like it's topical almost. Like There's memes that exist now yeah. that will have... You know, a picture of worst cinema villains of all time. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. might have like <clears throat> Hannibal or the nurse out of One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. And then Jenny. And then Jenny. But I feel like these people have forgotten the first 30 minutes of this movie. Cause yeah. She's like sexually and physically abused by her father. Yeah. Daily. And there's a few things to unpack there because there's, there's that which is fundamentally like, man, she's had a fucked up life. Yeah. And it continues to be fucked up. Yeah. She keeps falling into shitty relationships and then there's also this overarching thing of just because Forrest Gump is nice to her doesn't mean she's supposed to love him and want to marry him. You know what I mean? Doesn't it? <laughs> well, that's like a thing in culture now where it's like, oh, I've been friend-zoned, but saying you're friend-zoned is implying that just because you're nice to a girl, she should want to fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's, it's this along a similar vein. Yeah, yeah, Forrest Gump's a nice guy. So? It doesn't mean she has to... And she eventually does, which... I don't know. That's this is where I get a bit tripped up, but um, she doesn't owe him some kind of relationship. Also, you forget they're apart for most of the movie, so they grow up together, they go away, like they intersect a few times. But there's no reason she should be that connected to him. Really, yeah. he's super connected. He's obsessed, but like she is too. It's a love story. So yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty harsh criticism of old Jenny. Yeah, and she's, I think I thought that when I was younger, though, I was like, that's, she's so mean. Why is she mm. so mean to him? And then watching as an adult, I can't tell if, what am I, what does this movie want me to think of her? Well, that's one of the strengths of the movie, actually, I think, is that you've got quite a few flawed characters in it. Yes, except for one, Forrest, Forrest Gump. Yeah, he's flawed in other ways. Yeah, his IQ, that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found a little clip that summarizes, I think, the juvenile Tristan point of view on Jenny. Oh yeah. What better than what better than Family Guy to represent <laughs> juvenile male point of view? Hey, <laughs> good. Jeez, I don't know what's going on with him, but I guess love does funny things to people. Look at Forrest Gump. Hi, Forrest. I know you just got back from Vietnam and you love me, but I'm gonna go run a train with this group of Black Panthers I just met. Okay, Jenny. Hi, Forrest. I know you came all this way to New York to visit me, but I'm going to go do blow and have sex with a bunch of stockbrokers. Okay, Jenny. Hi, Forrest. Now that I have the most contagious and incurable disease known to mankind, I'll finally have pity sex with you. Okay, Jenny. And I'll mow the grass and raise the AIDS, baby. 
There you have it. I mean, that's basically like what a lot of online yeah. forums, it's yeah. like a lot of dudes saying this kind of shit. Yeah. Which, you fucking bitch, man. Yeah. And it's, I can't tell what's worse if like the film is, wants us to think that. Yeah, it's it's tricky. I think that's the the bit you you get a you know there's not as you know there's no clear yeah answer. And I think we see the movie from Forrest's point of view, right? So we don't see everything she goes through either. You get a sense she's suicidal. She's getting beaten up. Oh by yeah, randoms. of course, of course. But I mean, like we're we're seeing if this movie was from her point of view, we would might think Gump's a massive weirdo. No, she loves the Gump. She loves him at a certain level, but um. There has been something in pop culture recently that he represented... gave him a sympathy wristy. Not even, didn't he? Oh, yeah, just... no, he just blew and touched <laughs> yeah. a titty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Frank Ocean track, Forrest Gump, is apparently written from Jono's perspective. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. But then I was, I was listening to it today and go through the lyrics. It's not very specific, so I, it just says... Um, Run on past the end zone. It's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that just happened in the movie, I guess. You're blowing my mind, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, but it doesn't reveal any insight. Forest blue, forest green. Yeah, forest. Yeah, something like that. But apparently, that's more of an allegory for his failed attempted relationship with a dude that didn't reciprocate or something. But I thought that was interesting Don't that someone is it. looking at Jenny's perspective. But it becomes interesting when you Jenny's character makes sense if you're willing to put on a little bit of a conspiracy theory hat. Always. You can look at this movie as a romance, in which case it becomes very tricky because it's like, well, who is Jenny? Why is she, you know, it's a bit weird. It's a bit, is she an asshole? Is she not? That's everything we're talking about is through the lens of if it's a romance. If it's not a romance and these two characters are actually just two symbols, we get into something quite interesting. Is the film right-wing conservative propaganda? Did you come across any of this? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and so... It's a very conservative film. It is a obviously. conservative film, and everything that's not conservative is Jenny. Bad. yeah. And that's Jenny. And she does of Jenny something. represents the left, and she fucked up. Jenny rebels, look what happens to her. Yeah. Forrest does what he's told, follows the rules, look what happens to him. Yeah. Forrest represents conservative values, anything's possible. Jenny represents countercultural movements, fails, dies of AIDS, for yeah. having too much sex. And needles. And needles, and... I don't, I'm not going to say I buy into this. Good always overcomes evil because the product of those two combining was wholesome. Yeah, but was it? Haley. Oh, uh, that's true. The the kid the kid was good, but it's funny because visually or aesthetic or something when you watch it without thinking about it, it felt because there's hippies in it and there's John Lennon in it and all that kind of stuff. You're like, oh yeah, it's like pretty not conservative. But then when you start breaking it down like that, you're like, oh actually, totally. Everyone that's not conservative in this movie is like the Black Panthers are represented pretty badly. The hippies are presented kind of as unorganized idiots and one uh-huh. of them beats her. Like they're all kind of just shitty humans. So the film kind of condemns anything countercultural and yeah. Forrest Gump just keeps following orders, keeps moving forward and he just keeps with stumbling his, into with success. With his short back and sides. Yeah, exactly. He's starting a business. He's doing, you know, just... Can, excels in the, in the army. Excels in the army, yeah. He serves his country, starts a business, listens to his mama, and everything works out just fine. Um, I don't think, I mean, I, I can't, who the fuck knows? I think it's, I think every movie is inherently political, right? Because you can't create something in a political vacuum. You're going to bring your values to something, whatever. 
I don't think, to use the word propaganda is pretty fucking strong because most movies are probably pretty left and you wouldn't call that propaganda, right? It's just someone's point of view on the world. Yeah. Propaganda implies you're trying to, like an agenda, like a real hardcore agenda. It's a great word though. <laughs> it, is a, it is a good word. If, if Forrest Gump's propaganda, then Captain Marvel's propaganda. And I don't want to think either. I don't want to think Captain Marvel's propaganda. So it's... It is. <laughs> so I think it's more just the fact that this movie happens to lean slightly right and most people think yeah. that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in saying that, I do think there is something to be said for the dangers in telling the story in the way it does, not through deliberately telling kind of false history, but by what it omits from history. So this is the definition of, I guess, the dangers of member berries. So Go on. Yeah, so basically this represents the 60s and 70s and 80s, whatever, primarily through Forrest, who is having a great time, but these were some of the most tumultuous times of history in the US. And, you know, you don't see, I think, when did it start? The 50s probably? You don't see any whites-only signs in Gump's childhood. You don't see any of that kind of side of culture, aside from him making a joke that is descended from fucking KKK, which is all pretty lighthearted. You know, some people do things that don't make any sense. Yep, sorry about that KKK thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think it's more just the... He's named after a KKK it's, guy. It's looking back through rose-colored lenses, emitting all the stuff that was horrible back then. And this is where member berries become dangerous because when you look back and you only remember the good... That's when you go about thinking, oh, weren't things great back then? Mm. Can't we make things great again? That's when culture <laughs> starts to make some interesting decisions. And we've used the word member berries a lot. I think it's probably time we explained it properly. If you're not a South Park person, found a clip here that explains it within this context fucking perfectly. Every great empire reaches a point where going backward can seem more appealing than forward. When the world is changing so fast, it makes us yearn for the old ways when life seemed simpler. But it doesn't mean those old ideas are good for us now. See, when a civilization has become so big, it starts to get lazy. And that's when you get member berries. They're nothing new. They date back all the way to the Roman Empire. Once too many Romans ate the member berries, there was no more growth. They rested on their laurels, just eating and membering all the good stuff. Maybe. You see, we all want to go back to when we were kids. Simple ideas like a big man to protect us, keep us safe. Instead of a fresh new Star Wars, we want the old. Just recycled and plopped in our tummies. So obviously that goes a bit further than what we're talking about. I don't think this movie is intentionally right-wing propaganda. I think... In their Oscars acceptance speech, the producer talked about how this is political neutral. And my point is nothing can be neutral because you're always, you know, having delivering some kind of point of view on it. And this happens to lean right. So what? Most movies happen to lean left. If we're going to accept movies as an expression, movies are inherently political and we have to accept different viewpoints. And this isn't like, you know, pro-Nazi or something. It's just a fucking point of view. Um, You know what you get if you spell Forrest Gump backwards? (laughs) What? Pung. (laughs) Stir up. Mm. <laughs> Think about it. Illuminati. Illuminati. <laughs> but it is interesting. Since Forrest Gump, a lot of Republican candidates have either used quotes or referred to it as like, you know, 
the American. Mm. I think Bob. What did Bob Dole say? Bob Dole said, "Bob Dole." <laughs> Uh, referring to Forrest Gump, he said, no matter how great the adversity, the American dream is within everybody's reach. Like, let's use it as part of his political campaign when he was running for president. So, it's, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's like through presenting history in that way, you're creating this kind of cultural artifact that doesn't represent things accurately that starts to create this imagined history that, oh, yeah, weren't things great then? Uh, not really because black people couldn't play baseball with white people. You know what I mean? It's like there's... there's it yeah. was so fucked up in many, many ways. But when you watch a movie like Forrest Gump, you're like, yeah, no, things were pretty cool back then. Yeah, long um, looked good. And anything that wasn't cool, a white guy named Forrest fixed. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard in addition to that the, the celebration of the ignorant passive observer. Yeah, white. Yeah, over, yeah. A, over a knowing participant. Yeah, 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 that's a it's good pretty, one. It was a pretty good one. That was from Scott Mendelson writing for Forbes magazine. Yeah, that's good. Credit. And even further... The ones that are like a lot of the things he is doing in actual history are credited to black people. So like Elvis getting his dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I, was, I knew there was something the, I was missing there. The Watergate, yeah. the person that broke Watergate was a black guy. Ah, really? And, and so that's he, the whitewashing. And he also solved racism at one point with the college kids and the. So it's just like, fuck. If you want to, yes, you can look at all those things and go, yeah. I think it's probably just. As a white person who may politically lean slightly right, they've probably made these. It's an unconscious bias, maybe, in the creators of this movie. Not you. Not me. <laughs> no, but um, okay. I guess when I was first reading this, I was, yeah, this is like right wing propaganda. And then I had to have a reality check and go, nah. Did you cool your jets? I cooled my jets, man. So is Jenny a villain? I don't think so. I want to see more of her story. Looked like fun. Yeah. Kind of. At parts. I think it's uh, so. This is this is my fundamental beef with the movie. Is at least that is a reading of the movie, and uh-huh. if not that, what? Like, there's not much left. Not much left. Ah, no, there's hey, not much left. Just occurred to me, Robin Wright was she Robin Wright Penn at this stage? I don't know, but she's we actually didn't talk about her properly in the intro, did we? She's yeah, pretty damn she's good. Great. I'm a she's fan, like generally. she's everywhere now. Mm. Well, not now. She's kind of been everywhere all the time, but I never kind of noticed. And she's she's a handsome woman. Yeah, she's striking. Yeah, she was in uh, Wonder Woman. Or well, she's obviously in House of Cards and a bunch of other stuff. But in Wonder Woman as well, like pretty badass. And yeah, because if Sean woman. Penn was potentially cast, you know her. Um, oh yeah, that would have been husband wife duty. Yeah. Hey, what? Yeah, uh, um, who are your? Who are your best villains? All of all time. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Shit. <sighs> Just wanted to get one back on you for your little pop quizzes. <laughs> Mine were at least about the movie. Weren't they? This is it's, it's a link. It's a tenuous link. We're talking about villains. Jesus from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> Not the nihilists. Oh, we got the Johnson. We care about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, villains, greatest villains, man. I don't know. I got nothing. You came up with Jesus from the Big Lebowski. <laughs> So honestly, Why that did he come into your head? I don't know. I was like, villains, villains, villains. That's all that came uh, in. Purple. Okay, so you know what's interesting? Little plot twist in this movie that I did not consider. What? Bubblegum shrimp. Bubblegum shrimp did not exist before this movie. Yeah, I was wondering about this. Yeah, so I thought, you know, how everything he does is like an Easter egg of something yeah. that actually happened. I thought that was one of them. Yeah, and that I was makes like, sense. I was like, man, they actually named it Forrest Gump to make that work. Like, that's pretty dedicated to a pretty small joke (laughs) but no 
So Viacom, who owns Paramount, this movie, so partnered they... with a restaurant group called Rusty Pelican Restaurants, and they opened the first one Rusty in trombone. 96. The Rusty Trombone, I think yeah. it's known as. Yeah. yeah. They opened one in 1996, and now there's 40 locations around the world. Have you ever been in one? I have. So this is pretty funny, right? <laughs> so when you got food poisoning just on your way back now from Bali? No, it's pretty funny. This is very much – so Manson – Remember Chris, you know, Chris Manson, friend, friend of, the of the show. show. Yeah, actual friend of the show. <laughs> uh, soon to be special guest, um, yeah. friend of the show, Chris Manson. The first time I went to New York and he had been before me, he's like, you got to go to Bubblegum Shrimp <laughs> in Times Square. <laughs> I think I was like 23 or something. And I went to New York by myself. It was a work thing. And I had a little bit of free time. I was like, I guess I'm going to go to Bubblegum Shrimp. And I was like, what? <laughs> I kind of liked it, but I like... What do you eat? Like prawn po' boys or something? It's not bad shrimp, but put it this way. The only other time I had bubblegum shrimp was in Cancun Airport. Um, yeah. It's very much like... Eh. I've never <laughs> it's been like in Margaritaville, one. like Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. <laughs> like the, the old cliche of, oh, you're going to New York? Here's my recommendations. Yeah. Like I never gave anyone recommendations. I'm like, just fucking walk around and you'll find great things. Yeah. But oh, you're going to New York? Oh, you gotta try. Usually it's some you know pretentious thing. <laughs> you gotta try bubblegum shrimp in Times Square. <laughs> Times Square. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it sums up his music, his movie taste. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. This is probably his favorite movie. Yeah, probably. Oh, it's got to be up there. But interesting from uh, bubblegum shrimp. Without bubblegum shrimp, we may not have. Friend of the show, Chris Pratt. Go on. So Chris Pratt was discovered in 2000 while working as a waiter at Bubblegum Shrimp in Hawaii. What do you mean? He waited on the table of Ro Dawn Chong, who's an actor-director. He was in Commando. Right. He offered Pratt a role in a movie he was directing at the time. Interesting, because I assumed Pratt was a comedian. He's just a funny guy. Yeah, he's he a funny guy. He didn't do any guy, comedy comedy, But no. he wasn't like... Um, he was an actor. He was in um, The O.C. for one season. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He was a hippie, some hippie guy. I never saw it. And, you know, this by being a Pratt fan. Because he wasn't... Um, like, he looks very Hollywood now, obviously. But he wasn't then. But he wasn't particularly Man. Hollywood. So for him to get picked, like, pulled out of a a uh, restaurant gig... But he's got that charm. Oh, but when he was, this was when he was young. Maybe he was fit then because he got fat. He was in some other TV show too that he just looked like a normal young guy. Yeah. And then we had Fat Pratt for a few years on Parks and Rec. Oh, that's the early Pratt I know. So. Yeah. So there was, yeah, I'm that's where I found that. him, but there was earlier Pratt. Yeah. I think it's also worth talking about special effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. We touched on these. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are not great. Yeah. I found the not great ones charming. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, kinda. I, yeah, I think it was pretty good at the time. I think it was, so is it, Zemeckis has a pretty interesting relationship with these special effects nurses. Obviously, being Back to the Future guy, some pretty cool special effects there. Death Becomes Her, some weird, wacky special effects there. This movie. So there's actually more special effects than you probably realize. Mm. Well, I didn't know this one. The ping pong balls were CGI. Because oh. I was wondering, I was about to look up, like, did he learn to play ping pong like this? Because it looks pretty convincing. But I guess he's just swinging the bats and then they just put in that the... That makes sense. That makes so much sense, he's right? playing with double-handers. He's yeah. giving her the, the eagle. Yeah. Um, Gary Sinise has two legs in real life, full-length full legs. They didn't oh, chop them of course off for he the does. Film. From the whole Ransom and other movies thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, the feather was CGI as well. Oh, don't spoil the magic. You're going too far now. <laughs> Sorry. 
But then there's obviously all the archival footage that they put him yeah. into, which is like mostly good, I think. It's just the lips move a little funky. Yeah. And some of them are bad impressions. The John Lennon voice wasn't up to scratch, in my opinion. The John Lennon, yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, it, that scene was a bit of a miss for me. Yeah. Mostly because I didn't realize that that was them stumbling across how to him write Imagine. I so like, I think it's one of those ones where it's just a bit too cutesy of I'm like. surprised that nerdy. wasn't an outtake. Yeah. And they got the real Dick Cavett to come back. Uh, have you ever watched a Dick Cavett show? No. It's fucking good. I only stumbled across it a few years ago when I was deep in my John Lennon phase and actually watched those actual interviews because it was him and Yoko. So they got him sitting in Yoko's seat. They actually brought Dick Cavett back. But he has great interviews, man. Like watch any – I think he's I've got a YouTube channel now. I think he's still alive. But um, cause that's why he looks quite old in that Cavett. scene. Dick Cavett. He's got great interviews. Great George Harrison one as well. Why don't we play that clip? Because that's a pretty... D.O.G. Let's do it. Uh, here he is, Forrest Gump, right here. Forrest Gump, John Lennon. Welcome had, home. Had quite a trip. Can you uh, tell us um, what was China like? In the land of China, people hardly got nothing at all. No possessions? And in China, they never go to church. No religion, too? Oh. Hard to imagine. Well, it's easy if you try, Dick. Some years later, that nice young man from England was on his way home to see his little boy and was signing some autographs for no particular reason at all. Somebody shot, you know. It's actually interesting too. I was reading another thing about this movie, how pretty much Forrest Gump, a lot of people that meet him die. <laughs> <laughs> like so many of these clips end with somebody shot that nice man. Yeah. So many clips. And then Jenny dies, his mum dies, Bubba dies. Oh, dying's part of life. But so, I yeah, wish it, it wasn't. I think this is a sweet spot in Zemeckis's special effects career. And now he's gone way off the deep end and it's all fucking horrible. Hardcore CGI, Polar Express, Bow Wolf. Um, mm. What was the other one? It's a shame. Go back to this era. It's his passion, Because this is also around the same time as Jurassic Park 2. So this is when people were using it sparingly to kind of augment and just add bit touches, not just fucking Well, cartoons. it will be very interesting. Um, we've spoken a little bit um, about The Witches being remade. Yes. And he's on as director. Is he? Yeah. Can I... Tell you that doesn't excite me. What if I told you EP was Guillermo del Toro? Now I'm listening. Yeah. Now I'm listening. Yeah, that's good. And who do you know who's uh, been cast as the Grand Witch or Grand High Witch? Leonardo DiCaprio. Close. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think she'll be good. Yeah, she'll be good. That's like that's perfect. That's sweet spot, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's perfect. No, I, I joked Leo because he just got cast in a new Guillermo del Toro movie. Okay. I don't know what it is, though, but I'll watch anything that guy makes. Yeah. And if he's a producer, I'll take that too because so at least there will be some of his taste in there at yeah. least. He's always so got a cool vibe. Hopefully be on the same page. I think I didn't And get, he's an advocate for practical effects. He is. He is. I think they um, – and the first one was all practical effects, like all that sort of cheesy. Yeah. Excuse Let's the get pun. the shit out of it. Vitches? Cheesy? They got the your vigs. Oh, so good. Vitches? I smell a child. 
disgusting. So good. Oh, so man. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So maybe um, maybe we hold fire. I, that's next year, though. So maybe we hold fire on Witches for a little while. Yeah, I'm keen on that movie, though. Um, I mentioned the book before. There were a few meaningful differences between the book and the movie. And again, some of this ladders back up to what I was saying before around the political point of view on this movie which kind of is in favor of that theory because <laughs> some of these feel like pretty deliberate choices to paint a certain picture <clears throat> because in the book gump wasn't so perfect he did things that could be wrong i think he had a lot more sex for example he swore he i think he made it, i haven't read the book so i don't fucking know but he made a few yeah. mistakes but in terms of actual material differences in the plot and everything he gump was more of a savant who was like a math genius so he was kind of the it's become a cliche in movies now, but the the person with the disability has a superpower somewhere else, like Rain Man kind of thing. Yeah, like that's yeah, the sort of um, Asperger's type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays football and that kind of thing, but he fails a lot of he, at college. He plays football, he gets perfect scores in physics. Yeah, yeah, okay. and then he joins NASA and goes to space. Yeah, with an orangutan. Uh huh. What was the orangutan's name? Uh, it was. I had, did you know this? No, because it has a name and I can't remember. Fuck. It was a female because I read somewhere that he may have had sex with the orangutan, but I think that was not real. Because <laughs> I, I was on a Reddit forum and I'm like, I can't validate this. But you know, he goes to space with an ape and a woman. They crash land in a fucking cannibal area. So they're living with cannibals or fighting cannibals or something. Oh. The shrimping things happens, but then he quits shrimping to travel the world with the ape and Lieutenant Dan as a band. And strangely, it's been described as a one-man band, but that's more than one man. So not, not the sure. Dan band. Not the Dan band. No, but that would have been good. The Lieutenant Dan band. He became a professional wrestler called the Dunce. And Jenny, the Dunce. Yeah, and Jenny and Forrest played in a folk band together. Oh, yeah. So it was based on this book. Obviously, they made a few changes. A lot of what's in the movie is in there. He wasn't so, the running thing wasn't so much. The braces on the legs wasn't so much. A lot of the flaws that were in. Gump's character got transferred over to Jenna. To Jenna. Yeah. And funnily enough, the dude, the writer, Winston Groom, didn't get fucking paid. What? Yeah, he didn't get paid. So he sued them. Basically, he had a deal to get like back end, I think. Yeah. And they positioned it as if it made no money. <laughs> so he could get paid anything. But Zemeckis and Hanks both had a similar deal and they got like 30 mil yeah, each. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah. So. Where the fuck was his money? So he sued them, which is a pretty big deal at the time apparently, and it never got it got settled not by he didn't get paid a certain amount, but he got a book deal for a bunch of books. So I think he got paid a huge amount of money for rights to these other books that never materialized into anything, but he got his money. But the fucking really interesting part is there's there's a second book. Yeah. Gump and Co. Yeah. And there was gonna be a second movie too, but it doesn't sound like the second movie was following this book. Gump and Co actually weaves in the story of the movie existing. So like one of the opening Oh, he wrote it after the film would be made? Yeah. Okay. And one of the first lines in the book of Gump and Co. is, don't never let nobody make a movie about your life story. (laughs) It acknowledges the movie getting made. And it's like, yeah, whether they get it right or wrong, it don't matter. And like the the book ends with the movie coming out and he meets Tom Hanks and he goes on David Letterman. (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of this weird... Oh, that's some ripe CGI there for Gump meeting... Yeah. Well, but it would have been more at the Hanks. time then because it wouldn't have... But yeah, so in this book, he loses everything, becomes a janitor in a strip club, um, then becomes a door-to-door salesman. He Jenny loses was, everything. Loses everything, yeah. How? 
Um, the shrimp you business don't have to worry about money again. I don't know. Yeah, no. Lieutenant Dan calls him and says, we're done. Shrimp business has failed or What something. about the Apple shares? Apple is not like Apple tanks. <laughs> well, I'm going to come back to that. Let me finish this one. Um, Jenny was still alive and she died. He got a job. He, they made him responsible for New Coke. Remember New Coke? Remember how, you know how in America it's like Coca-Cola Classic now because they made New Coke yeah. and it failed? Yeah. He was responsible for New Coke. Oh. They made they worked that into it. He worked in R&D at Coke and um, nice. he made something that was great and then couldn't remember how to make it so he faked it and that became New Coke. Yeah, some of those Coke dollars. <laughs> yeah. So Forrest and Forrest Jr. become pig farmers. He goes back to war this time in the Gulf and then eventually starts an oyster company and has success again, I think. Oh. But yeah, on the Apple thing, Get with the so his Apple stock, I was like, but how does that work? So Apple stock, so <laughs> Apple IPO'd in 1980. I was going to say, hang on, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, and so, and Lieutenant Dan hooked it up. So unless they were founding investors at Apple when they were just first raising capital or whatever, which how could Lieutenant Dan have done that? I'm going to say Don't you question Lieutenant Dan's <laughs> he ain't got no legs. He <sighs> can't do that. It's not going to happen. So I'm going to say, let's say they get in day one of the IPO in 1980. Down to Palo Alto, <clears throat> into the garage. Yeah, exactly. So the average stock price in 81 was 34 cents. Okay. By 94, it was worth a dollar and five cents. So that's that's significant. That's all right. I mean, you're, you're not going from rags to riches at that point, depending how much you invest. Well, it wasn't, wasn't, what was current time in the movie? Sorry. Well, that's what I'm. I'm suggesting it must be eighty, because I think it says eighty-one on the side of that bus when he's sitting in the bus. No, that's now though, isn't it? I'm sure, the, the no. But you mean when he's telling the stories? Yeah. Well, let me just tell, like, again. You couldn't buy Apple shares until nineteen eighty. Uh huh. So let's say it was nineteen eighty. Yeah. They were worth thirty-four cents. Let's say the movie ends in ninety-four. Let's say the movie brings us up to present day. Uh huh. Yeah. So that gets Apple stock up to a dollar and five. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I'm not saying that's bad, but that's not like a. It's not 10x or anything. Uh, Jenny died in 82. So it was 81 when he's at that bus stop. That's crazy then. So how did he get in on the ground floor with Apple? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's Macintosh? Was Macintosh a separate thing? I don't know. No, that would have been later. It was the Apple 1 or the, the Apple 2 was the big one, wasn't it? It was in the late 80s as well. Yeah, so it doesn't really stack up. But if it did... Do you mean they've lied to us? <laughs> yeah. This was all Jenny's fault. Jenny, you horrible you person. Leftist. <laughs> you See what leftist the left does? Whore. They lie. <laughs> so Apple stock was a dollar and five cents in ninety four. But by ninety seven it was only fifty cents, fifty two cents. So um it had been cut in half. Oh. So I like to think that yeah, that's part of, that should be part of the crisis of uh but if you held on to it, Apple stock now is at hundred and seventy six dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's He's playing the long crazy. game. He's played, he was playing. My mom always said, play the long game when it comes in the to markets. the stock market. <laughs> if you go back through history, it's more stable than the housing market. <laughs> Forrest Buffett. For, Forrest Buffett. Yeah, I think those were most of my things. Oscars controversy, we kind of covered. Um, what's aged well? What's aged well? I mean, I think there's a lot in there. Like, I think a lot of what we talked about kind of zigs and zags through a bit of that. There's bits in there that's age well, bits that has it. Bigger picture-wise, I do think Simple Jack isn't much of a stretch from this yeah. as I might have thought it was. Like even just watching that trailer again, it yeah. seems like... Simple Jack. It seems like Simple Jack, man. And I try and imagine a trailer that coming out today, you would think it's a joke. 
Yeah. Like, is this movie actually getting made? This yeah. seems ridiculous. Like, not in a, it's ridiculous. Like, isn't that funny? No, it's like, mm, nah, man. Missed. That movie's not getting made. Fuck. Uh, I also, like I was saying, it doesn't say anything. And the only thing it does say, if you want to try and dig and look for symbols, is sort of that right-wing <laughs> conservative angle, which isn't all that interesting. I don't think it's a bad movie, though. And I think if you watch this movie as popcorn, yeah, it's fine. Uh-huh. But I think it's just when it's celebrated as more than that, it just kind of skews things a bit and it makes you not like it. Because I did enjoy watching it. I enjoyed it like French fries. But don't try and tell me this is fucking steak. This is not steak, you know? There's no good fellas. <laughs> no good fellas. There's no good fellas. But it's it's a fun snack. But yeah, I think that where it falls down is just that there's no point of view on anything. Things just happen to this guy. Oh, and there's just a lot of and then and then and then. Just like, and, and then, then this happens. Yeah. And then this happens. And there's this there's this video I saw when I was younger that always made me think about this with stories from our friends at South Park. This is a bit of a South Park episode. But they did this awesome um, little talk at a uni about storytelling. And it captures what I think is the fundamental problem with this movie. We found out this really simple rule that maybe you guys have all heard before, but it took us a long time to learn it. But... We can take these beats, which are basically the beats of your outline, and if the words and then belong between those beats, you're f***ed, basically. You got, you got something pretty boring. What should happen between every beat that you've written down is either the word therefore or but, right? So, so what I'm saying is that you come up with an idea and it's like, okay, this happens, right? And then this happens. No, no, no. It should be this happens and therefore this happens. But this happens, therefore this happens. And that, as soon as we are able to, and literally sometimes we'll, we'll write it out to make sure we're doing it, uh, we'll, we'll have our beats and we'll say, okay, this happened, but then this happens, and that affects this, and that does to that, and right. that's why you get a show that feels like, okay, this to that, to this to that, but this, here's the complication, to that. And there's so many scripts we read from new writers and, and, and things that we see. God, I see movies. And, yeah, you yeah, yeah, you see movies that you're just watching. It's like this happened, and then this happens, and then this happens. That's when you're in a movie, just going, "What the fuck am I watching this movie yeah. for?" And just yeah. like this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. That's not a movie, you know. That's not a story. So yeah, again, the genius of South Park, but it does feel like a bunch of like this happens, this happens. Member, member, member. This yeah. happened, and this happened to yeah. Forrest Gump, and then Forrest Gump was here, and this happened to him. Member this, member that, member, member Elvis. Yeah, it's just that, like a, just a montage of a very. Revisionist history. Uh-huh. What about what about you? Well, pretty similar. Pretty similar. I think I said I went into it not expecting much, so I think I kind of got the enjoyment out of this viewing. Um, in terms of what I liked uh, this time round, I think there's some good humor in it. Yeah, it's like we were saying when we were playing that clip before, which you wouldn't have been able to hear. There's some little things in there that are legitimately hilarious. Yeah, like when he's waiting to go on the Dick Cavett show and you just see half of his body just like awkwardly, of, not awkwardly waiting outside on stage. Yeah, <laughs> And every photo, you, I know, only noticed it this time, pretty much every photo you see of Forrest Gump in anything, his eyes are he's closed. Like, yeah, they're closing everyone apparently. <laughs> so there's, there's like legitimate lols in there. Yeah, there's good little... It's pretty funny. Bit. And I think his narration is kind of nice. He's like childlike innocence when yeah. he's talking about things. Like yeah. When he's in Vietnam and he's like, we were always looking for this guy named Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And he would say things like, shut up, get down. And then yeah. to Gary Sinise going, shut up, get down. <laughs> I love those. Yeah. It, I've seen that in a few things since then, but I love the narration when it's – I think it was even in Goodfellas. That was nice. So I, I enjoyed that. 
Um, you know, because it is pretty heavy subject matter in times as well. So it was kind of well. That that's the thing though, like though, too. It's like of, that one moment where you think he might have a point of view when he gets up to speak at that hippie rally. Yeah. Oh, he's going to say something. That's you don't hear anything he says, and it's like yeah. fuck. Okay, so the movie's really censored. Not yeah, not giving him a point of view on anything. Mm. Give this character some something. I mean, our last episode was Ninja Turtles, so I'm not going to sit here and say that that has more meaning than this movie. Exactly. Again, it's more I think about the context that we place around these movies. Yeah. This is just if you just look at this as a, a little romp through a rose-colored lens of history then okay it's a bit of fun but nothing more (laughs) yeah and sally field is still hot really is that a thing for you yeah i don't know why yeah i don't know she's just an attractive lady interesting that's interesting i think i found jenny hotter this time definitely i didn't i I had the same i think i thought she was a weird casting choice when i was young because that wasn't what my idea of hotness was yeah, she looked a bit. I think my idea. I think I was like, why didn't they get Pamela Anderson or something? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh man, I, all too well, all too well. She should be in more things <laughs> besides my bedroom wall and my thoughts. And uh, what was her movie? She she had a couple of those movies. Oh, we got to do one of those because there was Good, good Cop, Cop, Bad Cop. Yeah, Good Cop, Bad. That Cop. was one of those ones around the schoolyard. Hey, Good Cop, Bad Cop, something tonight. Yeah, like, she, she did you watch it last night? Oh, she had the sex in it. <laughs> Oh, we mentioned, I mean, in terms of, I think this one goes without saying in terms of legacy, there's there's lots, right? Um, it's endlessly quotable. There's a restaurant chain. There was going to be a sequel and it, strangely enough, wasn't going to be like the book. This, <laughs> so get this. But they didn't want, but <clears throat> Hank said, like, he's not doing the role, right? Well, this was a while ago now. So it all ended in 2001. They were, they were gearing up towards it. So here's the, the writer talks about it here. I wrote the sequel, literally I turned it in the day before 9-11. Wow. And uh, Tom and I and Bob got together on 9-11 to sort of commiserate about how life was in America and mm-hmm. how tragic it was. And um, yeah. we looked at each other and said, this movie has no meaning anymore in that sense. It was going to start basically with the little boy, his little boy having you know, AIDS, mm-hmm. and people wouldn't go to class with him in Florida. One of the funny things is we had him in the back of, I had him in the back of O.J.'s Bronco, and that he would look up occasionally, and they didn't see him in the rear view, you know, they'd pop down. And uh, the big event in that is um, every day he'd go wait for the um, Native Amer- his Native American partner. Um, she taught nursery school at a, uh, a sort of a government building there in Oklahoma City. And he was sitting on the bench waiting for her to have lunch, and all of a sudden the building behind him blows up. So that was our big sort of event for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and anyway, so when 9-11 occurred, I think we felt maybe everything we had written was meaningless. I don't know. Yeah. Everything felt meaningless. So the, I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. Yeah. I was thinking, though, I don't think... I mean, rewatch. I think we kind of said, yeah, you could rewatch this as just a bit of a fun yeah. whatever. Yeah. Soundtrack's still good too. This, uh, so the soundtrack, man, fuck, you know how big that was? It's huge. That's that's huge. a proof point of the member berries, man. It sold 12 million copies. Yeah. 12 million copies is a lot. Yeah. For context, when Purple Rain came out, it sold 13 million copies. When Sgt. Peppers came out, it sold 11 million copies. There you go. When Marshall Mathers LP came out, 11 million copies. So 12 million copies 
massive and it's a compilation it's album triple uranium yo <laughs> is it <laughs> i don't know that shit's crazy it's a compilation mm. so it's, it's just, like it's, it's memory like berries. mega hit summer 2000 what is it hits machine it's hit machine it's, it's hit so machine. fresh it's so fresh it's so 69 fresh 94 yeah <laughs> so fresh 59 to 94 <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I would have made a sequel, Greg, mm. based on the book, the second book. So a sequel set in a world where Forrest Gump is a real person and the movie was based on him and he regrets them making that movie. You know what I mean? And Tom Hanks could be in it as Tom Hanks. Do you get what I'm laying down here? Tom Hanks playing Tom Hanks. Yeah. So you know how I said you know how I said in the second book they acknowledged the And film. John Goodman playing Yeah, probably. That's what I'm getting at. It's like set in the real world, yeah. air quotes, where Forrest Gump is a real guy. And John Goodman's in it. Yeah, and John Goodman is Forrest Gump. But there was a film based on his life, which he thinks is horribly inaccurate, but then it goes through most of the story beats of the second Forrest Gump And he book. is just a rooting, swearing yeah. racist from down south. Well, I don't know if it went that far, but he may have sex with an orangutan in space. Yeah. Um, doesn't that sound great? And that yeah. could, there could be a real like Charlie Kaufman... Spike wow. Jones, like being John Malkovich adaptation, that real meta, weird, twisty, I like it. fuck with your head movie. I'm into that. Make that happen. Charlie Kaufman, if you're listening, a friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um, get on board. Alternatively, I wouldn't mind seeing the parallel story that's just Jenny's POV. <laughs> yeah. They should make that. I was thinking about this today. They should make parallel stories for lots of iconic movies from the women's point of view. Like, this would be a perfect example. You could make a whole movie that's Jenny, Jenny Gump. Maybe her story is Roller Girl. <laughs> was that? From Boogie Nights. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's Jenny this That'd whole time. That would be one chapter. Oh, speaking of taking one chapter of this and turning it into another movie, Waterboy? <laughs> Waterboy is basically the college years of Gump. <laughs> yeah. Baba Boucher. It's basically the Isn't same it? thing. That's so good. Love it. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I would like to see. Who's your MVP? Uh, I mean, it's all, this movie is very gump. Yeah. He's obviously the heart and soul of the film. So. Yeah, but in a way, I, I think his performance may have aged the worst yeah, in some I'm just, Yeah, I, it's very much his character, but I don't know how much I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I like Gary Sinise this time around. I had Gary Sinise, yeah. I thought he was pretty awesome. He's fucking good, man. He sort of, because he goes through a lot. Yeah. He's this guy who's got a very particular view on how things are going to go for him. He's going to die in that war and be the, you know, yeah. the the Dan that dies in that wedding. And got then, no um, legs. Obviously goes through his... You know what? We've done very years. little Forrest Gump impressions throughout. Yeah, that. intentionally. Ah. He's shown great restraint. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think Garrison East was fucking awesome. Mm, me too. Whatever happened to him? Well, he did Apollo 13 the very next year with Tom Hanks. Yep. Yeah. He was massive around then because he had um, Ransom as well. Ransom's good. And he came out, this this was pretty much his big break, right? He's, he was in a couple of things before this, but I don't think they were that yeah. massive. He seems, I want to see He got nominated for this. Yeah, he got nominated. Tom Hanks won, obviously. Uh-huh. Two in a row. Yeah, for this was This is when this. Hanks really became peak Hanks. Yeah. Set himself up. Yeah, yeah. For whatever the fuck he wanted. He was nominated for big as well, but he didn't win. And then he was nominated for uh, Private Ryan. Castaway. He's cast been nominated. Away. He hasn't won again. Yeah. Um, but Sinise went and did the uh, TV thing. CSI. Yeah. Uh, he does have a uh, veteran affairs charity group. At the yeah. Band. It is called Lieutenant Dan Band. 
No. And he cru- he cruises around touring army bases and really? whatnot. He's a bass player. Huh. He's won all sorts of awards. I saw for there was a Garrison East Foundation or something. Yeah. That's cool. So he did have a few intrinsic links to that character. I think his fam I think he had a lot of serving maybe colored brothers and and other family members in in um the armed forces. So he's got he did have a lot of intrinsic links to that character. I think that necklace he wears in the opening scene when they arrive. Yeah. He's got his shirt off and that sort of weird long necklace. I think that actually was a necklace that his brothers wore at war or something. There's something there. That's cool. Ah. That's all that's I got. That's cool. We rapping? Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It just came to me. It's good. Yeah, I guess that's it. It was okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch it again. I probably. I'd watch it again in ten years. I'll probably watch it again in yeah. Decade feels about right. Yeah. Yeah. Take all the expectations away and just think. Think about the tough. uh, Jenny's Jenny hasn't had a a sweet ride through life. One of the shittest. So yeah, he's up on the Jenny break. And comes a bit weird. Be honest, you probably wouldn't either. I was thinking about that. If he spoke to you at a bus stop, I would not engage no. realistically. But, but that was your New Year's resolution. Yeah. Say hi to people more. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Lasted a day. Crawl back into my shell. <laughs> Tristan's New Year's resolution was to say hello to more strangers. <laughs> well, people in general, even people I know. I don't want to say hello to people I know even. <laughs> Look at the ground. Keep walking. Oh, Cross the road. So good. All right. What's, All right. What are we doing next? We got some, uh, I think we got some Pulp Fictions coming. I think we got some, uh, we got Aladdin coming up. Aladdin. Oh, we got some uh, Leslie Nelson in there. Mm, we got some. Gun. Uh, yeah. All, All right. right. But I guess that's, that's a wrap. That's us. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Da 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 da